one. Welcome along, everyone. It's uh, episode number 83 of From the Valley Podcast. Your host, Tim Wilshere, Brisbane Business Life. Returning guest on the podcast here on a Friday afternoon, Jeff Cumnick from uh, Morgan's Financial. Welcome along. Welcome back. Yeah, terrific. Thanks, Tim. It's great to be here. Great Happy to be New back. Year, anyway, for 2020. Yep, same to, same to you and all the listeners. It's uh, hopefully good times ahead. Yeah, so if you recall, uh, Jeff, if you, I'm sure you do. You've, you've probably got a very good memory. Uh, it was about 12 months ago that you were on the podcast the first time, yep. so can you remember that? I do, I do. <laughs> you do I was, remember that? Yeah, a little bit nervous, a little bit uh, unsure of where we were going, but got there in the end. <laughs> yeah, so that was, uh, so yeah, so Jeff is uh, obviously, uh, Jeff's a financial planner, uh, basically just works next door at uh, Morgan's, uh, the, they're obviously um, help everyone as financial uh, planners, uh, obviously uh, very, very... Uh, up to date with what's going on in the, the Australian share market in particular, uh, share portfolios and stuff like that, looking after people's retirement. And uh, Jeff's been uh, working with Morgan's or and uh, associated for, uh, I guess, since 1989. So it's been quite a long time, Jeff. Yeah, um, 30 years last April. So uh, I've got the, the plaque for, for the uh, the desk and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's been a, a good while, but a good journey as well. So Okay. And, and if you remember the podcast that we did last year, well, what was the sort of theme that I gave 2019 at the time? Can you remember what what, what was 2019 the year of what? Well, I think we, we actually caught up, um, uh, 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 and certainly I think it was after after Christmas. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, as as I think back to um, kind of November 18, if if we remember the the way the world was back then. Yeah. Um, you know, we had um, Bill Shorten to win the election at a dollar yeah. ten. Yeah, um, and I remember you said that on the podcast too. Mm. You said that it was going to most likely be a Labor government yep. coming in. Um, Two thousand and nineteen was the year of confidence, if you, if yep. you remember. Yeah, and uh, you know the, the 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 ALP policies that were against um, high income earners, high asset um, people, um, franking credits, and all that sort of stuff. Well, that's all gone, of course. Yeah, and we did, but, just, and actually, you know, twelve months ago, we we sort of chatted about that uh, policy on the podcast, and and both of us sort of were of thinking that you know this is not great policy. Um, it's well, it's not going to be well received, mm. uh, but 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 Labor were the favourites, you know, in the, as far as the booking, the betting market was at the time, and mm. uh, and lo and behold, um, you know, I guess it was the retirees that really had. Um, a big say in the election result when it came to to how how the outcome sort of came, and also uh, you know Queensland sort of really did did have allegiances you know along those lines. A lot of retirees up this way. Yeah, yeah, and um, you'll also recall that um, you know leading into that um, December eighteen period, there was there was wide predictions that the US would have three more. Um, rate increases or two to three rate increases that didn't didn't come true um, we were looking down the barrel of more rate increases well um, you know it's been cut cut and possibly cut again as soon as uh, uh, a couple of weeks time um, yeah so we're looking you know, for more um, it's you know we're looking for more sort of uh, drops in the rates again 
yep. in 2020. As, as opposed to increases, which is what we're expecting kind of kind of last year. Um, the share market was down substantially. Um, in the so, early going? Or? Um, I remember it was around about the end of November, the, the share market at of that 18, stage of, of 18, yeah, it was down about 20%, um, yep. and the prediction it was six, down 16%, and it actually went down another 4% in the US, um, and, you know, that was bear market kind of talk, which means market stays down lower for longer. Um, that didn't happen. Um, I think when you, when you do make forecasts, you've got to be uh, uh, probably a little bit cautious and wary um, because they are time sensitive but uh, I think it was Buffett that says uh, making short-term forecasts tells you more about the forecast than it does about the future uh, and I think that's absolutely true um, you know in terms of where we are right now um, certainly things are from a share market point of view look reasonably robust um, it looks pretty high at the moment. Yeah, it, it's it's running hot. There's no question of that. I mean, the the Dow and S and P building out new all time records, which are about double what our our previous record high was. We've just uh, eclipsed our our previous all time record high, which was set a decade ago. So, um, okay. you know, we're in yep. vastly different spots. I think. Mm. Um, you know, we, we've then got to overlay. Does, that, does the, that surprise you at all when you think back twelve months ago? Um, no, I think um, we've we've actually gone through a, a process, and it, it feels like we're doing the same thing again. And that's baying for the blood of our our prime minister um, over yeah. the, the bushfire crisis. Well, you know, the political process in this country for the last eleven years has been one of uh, flip the PM at regular intervals. Mm. Um, it's been a process of. Um, whatever you say in government will oppose in opposition uh, and that's been an ongoing game uh, and I don't think there's been any winners out of out of that from uh, an Australian perspective um, and you know it's it's obviously putting a lid on investor consumer and, and business confidence as well so um, you know maybe it's time to uh, put some of that stuff in the in the rearview mirror and, and move on um, yep Bushfires, I think, will have some kind of an economic impact, um, and that'll be unfortunate. What sort of economic? I mean, this I can see some good out of it as well, but mm. well, from a tourism point of view, first up, um, it's uh, yeah, people yeah. don't want to necessarily travel to Australia. They've got even that's other right. countries are now putting out warnings. You know, do not come. You might get burnt. Yep, that's that's it. Um, you know, there's there's. Um, coastal New South Wales and Victorian destinations that are basically either closed down or burnt down. Um, so there will be a, 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 a GDP um, impact probably in the March quarter. It's been forecast by by various sources at about 0.4 of a percent. So you know, I think GDP growth for, for March was more than likely to uh, land closer to, to zero than 0.5. Um, and ongoing, you know, the international tourism will, will take a hit. Yeah. Uh, super Retail Group um, did do a bit of a downgrade there just yesterday um, on the basis that, um, you know, some of that camping and outdoor activity uh, sales have, have basically declined um, and there will be others. So um, tough times. I mean, you know, the... the I guess the, the best thing that we can hope for is that, you know, apart from the, the massive donations that have gone out, um, that people do actually travel to some of these regions and stop at the local baker and, and, and butcher and, 
Yeah, uh, I, can certainly, I can certainly see there's going to be a, it's going to probably be a bit of a period of time where there's going to be a bit of a lull when it comes to the scare, the scare tact, or the scare that's out there with the media uh, that's really said, okay, well, we, you know, as much as we should be supporting all these different communities that have been, you know, burnt to the ground, it's going to take a while, first of all, for those communities to rebuild. Um, so those, you know, the industries are going to take a while to, to sort of get back more momentum. I mean, it, will, it should happen. Hmm. It should happen in the future. It should sort of get to a point where these communities do, or I don't know if every community would get rebuilt, but most, you know, a lot of them would get rebuilt. And, uh, you know, obviously new houses, uh, new infrastructure. Uh, we're getting a lot of donations. I hope they do the right thing with the donations. I hope, you know, a lot of people are able to get, you know, the insurance um, yep. proceeds as well where, where applicable. And then it's going to take a while for that other associated business to get the benefit of the yep. rebuild. So it's, it's a, bit, exactly. a bit down the track and mm. it's something to think about that it's it's having a, it's going to have an impact. Uh, it's it's going to have a stalling impact for some years, I guess. Mm. I think <clears throat> think certainly the short-term impact is a stall. Um, yep. the, the, the medium-term impact is, it's a bit like a cyclone recovery yep. where all yep. of a sudden that building <clears throat> activity and, and uh, the purchase of, of goods in those regions uh, to rebuild um, should have ultimately a, a positive influence. But you know, there's at the same time you you can't help but um, you know feel for the people that have been directly impacted, and yeah. um, that that impact is 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 enormous and significant. Probably the 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 bigger impact, and I still kind of shake my head a bit at um, at the reaction, as I say, against the prime minister yeah, yeah. for the lack of um, response, the lack of inaction, uh, calling him back from his Hawaiian holiday. I thought was extreme. Um, like it's it's like we expect him to put on his hard hat and pick up a fire hose and get out there and fight the bushfires and him, himself when, you know, the the yeah. disaster was only just beginning and it, it really escalated while yeah. he was away. So, um, yeah, um, hopefully, um, you know, there's as much um, financial and emotional and um, um, support in any way that that we can for for people that have been impacted. Yeah, it's very. I mean, you're looking at. <clears throat> what we've sort of found out about Australia, it's very, it can, there's, a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a bit of divisiveness to it. There's people that are always going to, you know, going to support, you know, what the government is doing and then people are going to, there are going to be the entities that decide to take their opportunity to um, to spout, you know, you know more about uh, things that are, you know, it, you're saying that it's 100% climate change when there's probably a lot of factors at play. Uh, when it comes to these bushfires, mm. um, and then coming back to the prime minister, and, and it's him, you know him being blamed, but at the end of the day, it's, a, it's not an easy job. It's a tough job. We've gone through so many different prime ministers uh, over the last you know 13 years mm. uh, or whatever it is. Took way too many to to be a proper to be considered um, you know led well, yeah, uh, or led consistently, yeah. So. 
Um, but, um, it, you know, if, if you exclude um, that specific um, um, area of, um, of focus for now, um, I think broadly speaking, you know, from a share market perspective, yeah. uh, company profits have been what we describe as being tepid. Um, so there hasn't been a lot of profit growth, um, and yet share prices have increased remarkably. Uh, yeah. We say that in the in the context of you know the the ASX 200 I think finished up about 24 percent in in 2019, which is an extraordinary performance. I'm very um, surprised by that. It's 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 actually a bit of a false number because if if yeah. you go back to the um, about the 31st of August or July, I think it's actually up about six percent. So the 24% is a bit of a fallacy. However, um, that's the way the numbers fall. Uh, we've actually done some um, a bit of research as to what happens in a in a year where the share market rises by um, a substantial amount. So you know more than um, 15 or 20%, and 17 out of 24 times that there has been a return of in excess of 20% since about 1970. Um, in 17 of those 24 cases, the, the, the following years. year has also been double digit, so um, um, double digit positive return. So, do you get three years in a row, don't you? <laughs> wow, <No. laughs> uh, that would be extraordinary if we did. I, I think we're, we're absolutely in, in um, from an Australian perspective, in a universe where interest rates are low, they're likely to stay low. Um, you know, it's it's in a, a low inflation, low interest rate world, it's likely that investment returns will be lower than we typically have expected. Um, and tempering those expectations is is part of the challenge that um, you know we, we now face. Mm. Um, like uh, you know, a twenty percent return from the share market last year may return a, a good positive return this year um, from the statistics, but um, we shouldn't be expecting longer term anything more than about five to seven percent as a total return um, in this kind of environment. Yeah. I mean, it's just so volatile. It's it's. In, you know, the last decade, the volatility is is pretty crazy when you look at from one year to the next, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, you don't really get too many consistent sixes and sevens and eights or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's twenty or minus ten or you know, it's it's <laughs> yeah. As, as always, diversification is the key. Um, yeah, I think if you look in um, in isolation at last year's market return, um, there's actually uh, six stocks that represent more than 50% of our market's total gain. Uh, and that's extraordinary. So, so only, only six stocks? Six so stocks. What, what are those six stocks? Uh, okay, you're going to test my memory here, but CSL certainly features... CSL did a very, huge year. Yeah, yeah, very heavily in the in the, um, yeah. the, the, the reading there. Uh, ResMed was another. Um, one of the shock stocks for me was James Hardy. Um, Considering there's an asbestos history. Well, the, the history of asbestos, but that's largely been yeah. archived out yeah, of the business, yeah, but yeah. it still seems to, to linger. Um, I think Cochlear was another. And so Cochlear, it's always done well yeah. and just enough, you know. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember what the uh, sixth one was. It'll it'll strike me as I walk out the door, I'm sure. Um, but those six stocks accounted for 50% of the market's positive gain, uh, which is extraordinary. Um, the I think Macquarie had a good year. I don't know if it was uh, Macquarie was uh, it was Macquarie. So, was it? Yeah, yeah. 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 So from 100 dollars to 140, which is not too bad as a performance. Um, 
the interesting part of the market, I think, is, has been the, um, the, the, the extraordinary growth in, in the health stocks and the tech stocks, uh, the technology stocks in particular, so what are referred to as the, the WAX stocks, so the, the WiseTech app and Afterpay, Altium. The tech stocks, um, history tells us that um, it's sort of, it's hard to really predict. It's, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of uh, up and down, isn't there? Mm. If, if you go back um, um, a decade, uh, you know, the, the Facebook, Apple, Amazon, mm. uh, Netflix and Google, which of course is now um, um, Still Alphabet. Still mainstream, yeah. Yeah, uh, those stocks were on probably stretched valuations. Now they're on um, absolute nosebleed valuations. Um, if you go back uh, 20 years ago, you might remember what was was became fondly referred to and still is as the tech wreck, and yeah, that's yeah. where technology was emerging. And bear yep. in mind, we didn't even have an iPhone until 2007. Yeah. Um, anybody who had technology in their business, their share price was just ridiculous and extraordinary. And then in 2001, um, a lot of dreams and hopes were shattered uh, as that tech technology led. Um, share market correction um, actually uh, saw quite a, a number of those disappear and vanish. And I think we're getting similar kinds of valuations where you're talking, you know, um, multiples in the hundreds of revenue expectations for company valuations instead of earnings or net profit. Mm. Um, that's where we're at. So it's yeah, I mean, I think some tech stocks have certainly done well, some of them. In the, in the last 12 months, that's for sure. I've seen some of them go up quite a bit. Um, but, but I guess, I mean, are they the, are those, are the type of stocks that are likely to, to sort of follow suit for another 12 months or, you, you know? The, the trend is your friend, as yeah. they say. Um, you know, while the, the momentum is there, it's certainly the momentum trade. If you look at mm. a company like um, Afterpay, which has gone from probably five five dollars um, eighteen months ago to currently sitting at thirty two. Um, really, jeez, yep, I didn't that, 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 one. that that company is currently has a market capitalization. Of, of, only guessing, I know it's well north of five billion dollars. Uh, they, they haven't made a profit yet. Yeah, um, you know, a company that's got an extraordinary market, got an extraordinary. Um, uh, position of market dominance um, in that uh, buy now pay later space um, but the valuation is getting to a point where it's getting really difficult to justify on an earnings or valuation perspective in, in five years time let alone right now mm. so yeah whether one it continues another year I, I yeah one that I'm closer with is zero and that's sort of had a big run in, in 2020 when when it has never made a profit as yep. well so yeah yep. well there might be just only just getting there, so. Well, I think zero went from from about five dollars to forty dollars in less than eighteen months. Yeah. And then after having hit forty dollars, it then. That's eighty now. Well, yeah. it, it basically found earth for a little while. It came back to ten or twelve, yep. and yep. and spent a long time down there before it yep. got back to forty and and mm. has gone from forty to eighty in the last year. Mm. Mm. So, bank, we had the Royal Commission. Had what did you any sort of what are you sort of getting as far as a take out of the Royal Commission that sort of concluded, you know, more than six months the, ago? The, the, the Royal Commission's um, actually good news and bad. Um, probably the bad news for the financial advice industry is the whole um, 
another barrage of um, legislation, regulations, and you know, frankly, the the cost of advice is is basically pushing uh, beyond. Um, what's affordable um, for average people, which is, I think, is a sad thing because the the mantra is supposed to be um, everyone should have financial advice, uh, and there's enough evidence to suggest that that clients that do receive financial advice end up in a much better position than those that don't. Um, so that's the negative that's come out of it. Um, you know, the, the good things, in my opinion, that have come out of it, I was pretty much a, a staunch opponent of the vertical integration of banks where, you know, as a customer, you'd go and uh, talk to a teller and the teller would have their six points of contact and they'd be remunerated based on um, achieving um, more contact points with, with customers. One of those six points was putting, putting them in touch with a financial planner with the bank. Um, the financial planner then would basically um, have eight points of contact and if, if they they kept all of those products within the bank their own bank they got very well remunerated if they went outside then they potentially didn't get as well as well rewarded so mm. um, the bank spent 10 years um, acquiring and, and, and building all of the the um, advice channels mm. and the funds managers and the insurance insurance companies yep. and it's taken them 18 months to virtually fully divest mm. um, so I think that's a good good thing um, you know I'll, I'll certainly uh, shout from the rooftops that independent financial advice is um, probably a su- superior outcome to um, um, someone who's tied to a, a product and I think mm. that needs to be the next step is if you're a product um, offer, offering mm. uh, you cannot um, mm. own the advice that mm. um, comes with it because that's product sales, it's not advice. Yeah, so looking at, looking at where, where we are now in 2020 uh, and uh, what do you think um, when, when, when clients want to sort of engage a financial planner in, in 2020, what are they sort of, uh, what's, is there anything that's sort of changing as far as trends that, as far as clients are concerned, what they're wanting out of a, a financial planner and what, um, what I guess the services that they're going to get provided. Uh, good question. Um, I think it's um, probably a wider recognition that um, both that um, early wealth creation, that pre-retirement and post-retirement um, advice is critical. Um, I don't think that ever changes. Um, I think there's probably a heightened awareness, and I think there's also. Um, a heightened um, wariness as well because of um, the process that we just described going through through the banks, um, where they may not have necessarily acted in their customers' best interest, but may have been in their shareholders' best interest instead. So the Royal Commission outcomes there, I think, hang heavy on on everybody's mind, um, and it probably slowing a lot of people down from actually seeking advice, which I think is, is disappointing. Um, in terms of um, what do you do, um, diversification still very much a core of, of um, um, the advice um, uh, proposition. Um, um, asset allocation is as important as it ever was. Um, international diversification, um, particularly through shares, is probably uh, something that's growing as a, um, a, a, a bit of a, um, 
must have as mm. opposed to a like to have. Um, yep. You know, particularly when you look at, as I say, the, the American share market performance compared to our very own. The American share market has basically doubled since Trump's election back in October 2016, and ours has kind of hobbled along and um, got a bit better and hit a new record high. Um, so, yeah, being invested internationally does have um, benefits, but it's also got some some risks attached. Obviously, with uh, the added currency movements um, yeah. and <coughs> the information flows. So, yeah, a few different things to keep keep in your mind when you when you're considering what should I invest in, how should I be invested, and um, as I said before, the the expectations of you know double digit returns is probably a little beyond reality um, mm. for the next couple of years while we've got low rates and low inflation. Yeah, so this is actually, I think this is the year of the um, the next American, or the next US election, isn't it? So November. It is yep. November, so that's not far, when you think about it, it'll just be on the doorstep. Um, and uh, as you mentioned there, Trump has been, been the leader with a, a share market that's doubled in value. Um, so... Uh, I guess it's it's hard to predict. Always, it's, it's impossible to predict these things sometimes, and we, we know that with the, the, those two big elections that have affected Australia, our own election and the last US election, where the the bookies were were wrong and giving four dollar odds basically to the parties that ended up winning. Mm. Um, Love him or hate him, um, I know Livewire um, recently ran a survey of, of 7,000 Australians mm. and 75%, I think, um, believe that Trump will win the presidential election. So, yeah. And yeah. Again, it's just one of those things hard to predict because of because of where we've been in the past, I think, to a degree. Um, but, yeah, don't be surprised. I mean, obviously, don't be surprised with either sort of result going forward, but I'd probably be more surprised if if Trump's still not uh, the president this time next year, uh, to be honest. I think um, with what's happened there, um, you know, yes, he's been impeached. It was expected probably by a lot. Uh, but, yeah, I think, um, I think yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. We might, we might be wrong. Well, <laughs> I think if the, the process of impeachment's not quite complete until the Senate um, yeah. votes 75% in favour of the uh, the impeachment and um, the the impact of the impeachment after that is is actually not that significant anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, you know Trump for all the good and the bad. Um, you know, maybe he's uh, played the smart card and um, you know the trade wars panning out the way he planned. Um, mm. You know, and that was to uh, play tough and mm. stick up your dukes and let's let's fight and let's argue and. Um, phase one deal now now complete and now signed. So um, maybe maybe that becomes um, less of a, a worldwide issue. I think the mm. Hong Kong thing's still bubbling away. Brexit's still to be uh, determined, and that's that's always been lingering. Uh, and now we've got Iran with a bit of sabre yes. rattling, and uh, and that's been going on for a couple of years. But um, you know whether the the aggression. Uh, from the US um, and the retaliation from the, the Iranians becomes anything more than that, time will tell. Yeah, I mean, uh, cer- certainly there's always a lot seem to be going on in the world and, and, and all these different events can certainly uh, play into the, you know, the economic conditions that we're facing here in Australia as well as what we're facing now with um, disasters when it comes to flo- um, you know, dr- uh, droughts, floods, bushfires... Yeah, um, I think the the um, underlying message um, 
from from my point of view is um, with all the stuff that's going on, it's easy to be cautious and be um, not invested and sit in cash and think that that's the safest way. Well, I think that's actually uh, the wrong that, strategy. Yeah. I think the now is the time to be invested despite all of these events um, because it's the only way. Um, positive, positive returns from uh, growth assets um, versus hiding in defensive assets Mm, you know, certainly is a recipe for, for low returns. Mm. Yeah, so I guess, um, it's always, yeah, as I said, there's a good chance that the share market will, um, you know, obviously go up again in, in 2020. It would be good if it does, uh, you know, to, to sort of back up what's been a fairly, it's, you know, huge, huge year in the share market. Uh, a bit unexpected that it went up by that proportion, as we sort of allu- have uh, sort of uh, alluded to there. But... Um, I guess is there any. Uh, I guess if someone's looking at particular uh, stocks, what what are they should the, and looking at um, public companies out there, what sort of factors in public companies uh, should they be sort of looking at in order to, to make you know, invest in a particular company? Um, obviously, we want just as I said, diversification's important. Yep. But when we're sort of looking at a company by company sort of basis. Yeah, uh, good question. The um, as I say, the the, the healthcare um, tech yep. stops have been the hot ones. Yeah. Um, obviously, the financials have been um, isolated and chucked into the wilderness. Um, you know, I think certainly you need to basically um, cover all ends of the the, the spectrum. Uh, so things like materials and energy should figure, as well as telecommunications, and that's. Uh, pretty much got you limited to Telstra but um, because invariably um, this year's best performers turn into next year's worst and last year's worst turn into the next year's best so mm. um, just be care be careful of that that sector ro- rotation I suppose mm. um, and make sure you you stay broadly invested but stick with with um, um, blue chips I mean yeah. you know, this is this is not the time to go chasing little speculative I mean, do, sometimes there's a definition of a blue chip change though as well because obviously people look at some of these that have been hammered um, that are really good stocks for mm-hmm. you know eight out of ten years, and then they not so much hammered, but not getting the the growth of the rest of the market. Yeah. Um, that would you can still consider the the big ones, the blue chips. Blue chip, um, you know, the the definition does get bandied around in, in different kinds of forms. Um, you know, my kind of definition of blue chip would be something that's that's large, large cap. Um, so typically, uh, typically, uh, top fifty companies, which reasonably means you know a market capitalization of more than a billion dollars, um, um, solid profit um, profile in the in the past. Um, Good management, good history of um, you know being a, a responsible corporate citizen. All of those kinds of issues should feature heavily. And, and blue chip basically means not too much is going to go wrong. So you're not going to have a wake up one morning and the wheels fallen off and share mm. prices fallen in half. That typically doesn't happen to to blue chip. Certainly, you get those uh, profit warnings um, where you might see a ten or fifteen percent fall in a day. Yep. Um, but not so much with the the big blue chips. Um, you know, it, it's typically plain sailing, good market, good business, good products, um, mm. well founded and yep. well managed. So apart from sort of health in the health sort of sector, which is certainly going to be 
uh, as people get older, that's I think that's certainly from time to time is going to you know play into people's portfolios when it comes to investing. Any other emerging markets that really stick out? Um, emerging markets, yeah. I mean, um, there's um, good um, reports and uh, the like out of some of the Asian techs as opposed to the American tech stocks. Um, so, you know, things like um, the Chinese-centric mm. uh, Tencent group yep. is one. Um, so tens, I mean, Tencent, um, I've heard of Tencent. They sort of, my brother's a very big company over in China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Huge. so there's a um, the Facebook equivalent um, in China. So that's that's sort of, um, I guess, uh, investing internationally if you're going with someone like, if you're trying to invest in Tencent. Yep. Um, you know, there's there's many ways that you can do that. Samsung's another, and, and there's a few others as well. Uh, Alibaba, etc. So they're Alibaba, the, yep. yeah, they're the the emerging kind of um, growth stocks from a technology point of view. Um, you know, the Aussie tech, as I say, it's it's fairly fully priced, and you've got to be a little bit uh, cautious there. Yep. Um, you know, if things go um, badly for the Australian economy, then you know things like the uh, the staples, um, so the Woolworths and the West Farmers and that sort of the coals, that kind of stuff, that's all pretty fully priced at the moment. Um, so if things go just okay, then you can look at some of the, the um, some of the cyclicals and the industrials, um, maybe some um, emergence in some of the retailers. Um, so some of those retailers uh, have been absolutely horrible. If you look at things like Meyer and uh, obviously Jeans West and um, retail yeah um, it's it's a it's a hard space but there there are some bright spots so there, there are some companies that are actually doing retail pretty well uh, the banks have been you know pretty much in the in the, the sin bin uh, since Royal Commission they do look cheap but you know they are back to basic banking which is which should be good news um, and there still could be some structural unwinding there so you know uh, whether dividends get get cut, whether profit is maintained, whether um, share prices get off these what I'd consider probably low levels. Yeah, um, I mean, as the big four really did sort of uh, not 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 get take advantage of what was you know obviously happening as as an overall market in in 2020, but the success story out of, out of that industry out of that sector is, you know, the fifth largest, I guess, in Macquarie. Yeah. Uh, what are they doing that's different to the uh, you know how they sort of getting more traction or in that year anyway. Yeah, Macquarie, Macquarie um, get thrown in. I think AMP is probably the fifth wheel when it comes to the big banks because they're more um, that's sort of retail. Their reputation wasn't great. And now it's um, pretty horrid. Um, whereas Macquarie has more been in um, uh, capital markets. They're more a merchant bank. They're, they've got a lot of businesses that are annuity-style businesses where they simply yep. manage infrastructure, um, manage funds, um, and collect regular checks, which is you know a, a pretty sweet way to run business. They do have a quite a strong um, US exposure. Um, yep. So I'd describe Macquarie as pretty much a fair-weathered friend. When things are going well here and well in the States, yep. um, you'd expect Macquarie to go well, and they have gone really well, like increasing profits by 10 and 15% per year on a reasonably consistent basis. Mm. Um, if things do look to go pear-shaped, um, then you know it's probably one of the one of the ones you'd be looking for the exit. Um, so stay reasonably nimble on that one but certainly I think it's a it's a good place to be yep 
Um, I'm going to probably have to cut off uh, very soon here, uh, Jeff, but uh, we probably won't be able to get into too much uh, uh, social discussion in this podcast, which is uh, which is always um, would always like to see what's I guess happening outside of this uh, outside of our profession. But um, uh, I guess any sort of big plans for 2020, anything that uh, that you're looking forward to? Mm, nothing in particular. Um you know, I think um, you know, 2019 was a was a great year for me. I um, uh, got to do a, a little bit of travelling, got to go around the, the place a, a, a bit. I got a, a surprise wedding in uh, in Scotland that I wasn't anticipating, and that did was just wear a kilt. Uh, no, but my son was best man, and he did as did <laughs> yes. as did the groom. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a uh, remarkable experience. We did have a, a, a short uh, stay in Hawaii. I went to Perth for a wedding. Um, and yeah, a few other sort of um, local local trips and adventures, and you know that's probably going to happen again. But um, no particular plans at this point. So yeah. excellent. Now, thanks very much for being on the podcast here on a Friday afternoon. And uh, sorry to cut you off now, but uh, have a have a great weekend. Hope twenty twenty is a great uh, year for you, Jeff. And uh, no, I think that's been some uh, good discussion as we sort of. Uh, look at the economic uh, world in 2020, uh, looking forward to, what, what, I guess, what transpires in the ASX um, and uh, the Australian stock market in general and obviously internationally. It's going to be a very interesting year and uh, stay tuned. We'll see how this all plays out. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thanks, Tim. It's that, great to be here. That's been episode 82 of From the Valley podcast. Uh, thank you.